The following program is for adult audiences only. Stephen Lancaster's Ghost Story is proudly sponsored by the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk Podcast. What you are about to hear is a true case file from paranormal investigator Stephen Lancaster. It never seems to fail and most definitely never ceases to amaze me. An unbelievable story from the most unreliable source. Whether it be the stereotypical town drunk, the crazy old wrinkled up, sunken eye, should be dead widow from the rundown haunted mansion on the hill, the bored old man with a knack for theatrics who has nothing better to do than to convince children of stuff that never happened or the children themselves with their limitless imaginations and minimal fear of just about anything. Every town has its story, and every time that story comes from one of the sources I just described. Tall tales and big fish stories are the backbone of every American small town. You have to wonder sometimes if there was ever some minuscule piece of truth in all of those far-fetched stories you heard around the campfire as a kid. I have always wondered that. I have heard my share of the unbelievable, there is no question about it. In fact, I seek it. My grandfather always seemed to get my eyes gazing every time I was over his house stuffing my face with my grandmother's dippy eggs with some crazy story about an axe killer who still lurks about, or a swamp creature of some sort that eats little blonde-haired and blue-eyed children. And you guessed right, I have blonde hair and blue eyes. I remember two houses down, an old lady lived in what appeared to be vines with a roof. The house was old, patched together, and thankfully for her, we never had a hurricane season. This old lady was different. She was a witch, and I mean a real witch. My neighbors had filled my head time and time again with this nonsense, and of course, rationally, I did not believe it. I wanted to, but I didn't. On the same street, my brother and I had a friend living next to us. This kid had warts. This kid had warts all over his right hand. His dad suggested we go see the witch. I swear to you, this is true. I'm not making this up. Our friend asked me and my brother to go with him to the house. So we did, very cautiously. We knocked on the door and a man appeared asking us what we wanted. We proceeded to tell him we were there to see the witch about our friend's warts. Long story short, she came out onto the porch, licked her old bony fingers and started touching his right hand while saying some jargon I could not even begin to spell to you. After that, we left. The next day, that same friend was pounding on my door, screaming at the top of his lungs. The warts were gone. 
That's the kind of town I grew up in. My hometown. Land of wart-ridding witches, swamp monsters, lurking killers, and giant turtles. <laughs> Did I leave out the giant turtles? Don't let me dwell on that, but we had a three-foot-high, five-foot-long giant turtle chained to a tree. Yes, chained up in the woods and outside an old farmhouse. At night, it would bellow at the moon like, like it was a werewolf or something. I wish you could hear the sound it made. It was very weird. As the story goes, this giant turtle ate dogs. It sounds completely unbelievable. But it's not. That's the kind of town I grew up in. Lots of stories for sure. You know, I'm surprised the movie industry has not tapped my hometown. I grew up there. I saw this stuff firsthand. And the stories I heard almost always had some inkling of truth to them. I know because I sought it. There, there, there's no psychotic axe murderer living in the abandoned silk mill or slime oozing leech man from the green swamp. There's no giant bellowing dog eating turtles or 24 hour wart removal witch programs in my paranormal case files. But as a kid, I always loved hearing these stories from my grandfather, my father, the local lunatic. And I always wondered at what point I would have stories to tell myself. And this is where my story begins. My hometown even has its very own giant iron furnace sitting right dab smack in the middle of town. The iron furnace was constructed in 1837 and operated as an iron manufacturing facility until 1855. Now the great furnace acts as a landmark for the town. My hometown was buried in the mountains of western Maryland, and we'll say the population was around 1,000. Hunters, fishermen, coaches, men who slaved 16 hours a day at the paper mill, neighbors who knew your business and made it their job to know it. The town lived behind unlocked doors, and thousands of the greenest trees that, come autumn, was honestly any painter's dream. The daily trains exporting coal from the heart of the surrounding mountains seemed to shake and shift the entire town every time they passed. Personally, I was fond of the sound. I loved lying down, closing my eyes, and, and falling under the hypnotic spell of the train's rhythm. There was something very therapeutic about that. Trees and animals outnumbered the people in the town, and it was nothing to see our local black bears break up a Tuesday night Little League baseball game. I was always happy to see them. I hated baseball. Hell, I hated all sports, but I played them anyway. So having my big black furry friends end the game a bit early always put a little smile on my face. The town was called Lonaconing and was named after some old Native American tribe. We actually had our own t-shirt with Where the Hell is Lonaconing written across the front. I believe that memories, you know, particularly your first memory, play a very important role in the overall development of character, personality, and beliefs. My first memory is of death. My grandfather died on November 6, 1979, when I was only two years old. I was with him the day he died. 
Sadly, I do not recall anything from my time with him that day. My parents had dropped me off at the old farm where my father grew up and my grandparents still lived. They were babysitting me for one reason or another, so my parents could go do whatever it was they had to do. I was picked up that evening from my parents, and we returned home. I do not recall any of this from my own memory. What I am telling you here was later told to me. That evening is when the event took place that would later become my first memory. I remember running around the house like two-year-olds do, causing it in chaos and who knows what else. I ran into the living room where I saw my father with his head in his hands. He was crying. My mother had her arm around him and her head close to his, and she was crying as well. I do not know why, but for some reason I started laughing. You know, keep in mind, I was only two years old and could not even begin to conceive what was really going on at that moment. My mother lifted her head off of my father and told me to stop laughing. She said it was not nice and that my father was really upset. Call me empathetic or, or finally having the ability to understand, but as I'm reading this, my eyes are watering and I can feel the sadness my father must have felt at that moment. I can only begin to imagine how worse those emotions must have been for him. That image is forever burned into my psyche. The image of my mother holding him as he endured such pain from the loss of his father is my first memory. Every time that night appears in my thoughts, I cannot help but think of my father and how much I love him. The events of that day were later explained to me when I was old enough to understand. My mother said that immediately after I was picked up from my grandfather's house, he sat down in his favorite chair and closed his eyes forever. He died. He spent his last moments on this earth with me, his grandson. I find it really strange to think that I can vividly recall my father weeping over the death of his father, yet I cannot recall anything before that. I have tried countless times to pull out a little piece of my grandfather from inside. I wanted to remember something of him. I wanted to remember something of the time I spent with him that day. Unfortunately, my memory picks up immediately after his death. Did that one emotional event pave the way for what I would later pursue in life? Does the memory act as a constant reminder that everyone we care about eventually dies? Will I ever have the opportunity to speak with the man who spent his last few living hours on this earth with me? I certainly hope so. Eight years later, in 1987, I lived in Lonaconing with my parents and my younger brother in a typical American home in a typical American neighborhood. The house we were living in, according to a few neighbors, had a somewhat demented history. I remember one neighbor in particular telling me that a man who previously lived in the house was found dead in the attic of a parent's suicide. At that time, I didn't think anything of his story. It was not something that really bothered me. Looking back, I wish I would have dug a little deeper into the claims of this old man's apparent suicide in the house that I was growing up in. I was 10 years old in 1987, and my younger brother was 5. Sleeping in bunk beds, we shared a bedroom, as many brothers or sisters did and still do. As the older brother, I felt it fitting that I slept on the top. I called it, that meant it was mine, and my brother had no choice but to accept the inevitable of sleeping on the bottom bunk. It was December, and I can vividly recall the winter chill. Our house was heated by a coal furnace with heat that never could quite reach our bedroom. 
it always seemed a little bit colder on that top bunk, and I suppose that was the downside of taking claim to it. Our parents slept across the hall in their own room. We had not been living in this house for very long at this point. If I remember correctly, this was going to be our first holiday season there. For the past few months, nothing out of the ordinary was noticed by any of us, to my knowledge. If strange things were occurring in the house prior to my experience, it would have been news to me. I mean, I, just nobody was talking about it. On December 14th of 1987, I had my first paranormal experience in the house I was to grow up in. That night is so clear to me, I can actually recall those events more accurately than I can something that happened only a few months ago. My first paranormal experience is the second most vivid memory I have, and the death of my grandfather being the first. The night of my first paranormal encounter started off like any other night. Everything was normal. My brother and I were always ready for bed around 9 o'clock. That really did not mean he or I actually went to bed at the time. We did, however, humor our folks and pretend to sleep until we thought they were out of potential range of hearing us. After playing around like mischievous brothers do, we finally decided it was time for bed. My brother could always fall asleep almost on cue. It was uncanny. However, I always struggled with sleep, and I still do. But I eventually felt those eyes getting heavy and fell asleep around 1 o'clock in the morning. Approximately an hour and a half after I fell asleep, I was awakened abruptly by something pulling my ankles in a timid yet playful fashion. The first thing that came to mind was that my little brother was messing around. I leaned over the railing of the top bunk, stretching my head out enough to where I could see him underneath on his bed. He appeared to be fast asleep. Even so, I still dismissed it as him playing a joke and just decided to go back to sleep myself. As I dozed back off, once again something started pulling on my ankles. This time the tugging was a little harder. Once again, I leaned over the railing of the top bunk in, a, in an attempt to catch my brother pulling a prank. Just like moments earlier, he appeared to be fast asleep. At this point, I began questioning whether it was, in fact, my brother playing a joke. The speed in which he would have moved to, to immediately be lying still in slumber was nearly impossible from the point I was being pulled on. There was no sound coming from underneath me. Still sitting up in the bed, confused by the situation, I started to notice my blanket slowly being pulled towards the bottom of the bed. For a third time, I quickly threw my head over the top bunk railing to where I could see my brother, and amazingly, he still appeared to be fast asleep. At this point, the strange occurrence took a very violent turn. I was now even more confused as to what could have been pulling on me from the bottom of the bed. I slowly leaned down to start pulling my blanket back up when shockingly an invisible force wrapped itself around both of my wrists. Imagine someone grabbing you around the wrist. You know what that feels like. This felt exactly like that. Something was holding on to me and not letting go. The skin around my wrists was actually indented as if someone were physically grabbing me. Only in this case, I couldn't see the someone with the naked eye. I was witnessing and being subjected to my first paranormal encounter with an unknown entity. Completely in fear, I attempted to pull away and break free from this invisible restraint. It really seemed like the more I fought against this entity, the stronger and more violent it got. 
My entire body fell weak. Within seconds of this occurrence, all of my bodily energy had been completely drained. The entity continued to pull from my wrist towards the bottom of the bed. One violent pull completely lifted me from the sitting position, completely flipping my body. My head was now at the bottom of the bed with my arms stretched forward, still being led involuntarily by this being. My feet were now where my pillow was. I had been forced to flip positions on the bed. I was completely terrified. I attempted to scream for my parents. I had no power, no energy, and nothing would come out of my mouth that made any audible sense. I can remember hearing straining gasps in place of mom and dad, the words I was attempting to scream. I just could not get anything out. I continued to pull and fight this unknown and unseen power. Then, in an unpredictable moment, I broke free. I had been pulling and fighting so hard that once this entity finally let go of my wrists, the force from which I was pulling thrust me back so hard I flew across the bed smashing the back of my head into the wall. I hit the wall so hard that an impression was left in the wood paneling. At that point my bodily energy returned and I was able to scream at the top of my lungs one word and that word was mom. It was only a matter of seconds before my, par my parents' bedroom light came on, followed by the hall light just outside my room. My parents rushed into the room in a panic, concerned about what the commotion was about. At this point, all of the excitement broke my brother from his slumber. Go figure. The entire family had all eyes on me. Covered in sweat and still emotionally distraught, I recapped the strange events that occurred just moments earlier to my family. Considering my age and the odd situation, my parents did what most would have done and dismissed the entire event as a nightmare. The events of that night molded what I would later become. From that point forward, I really became intrigued with paranormal occurrences. I started reading about parapsychology, UFO sightings, and alien abductions, possessions, clairvoyance, ghost sightings, extrasensory perceptions, you know, cryptozoology, exorcisms, and just about anything I could get my hands on that covered the unexplained. Growing up in a Christian home made it very difficult to openly discuss such such topics. In most cases, the reading material I was interested in had to be brought into the house in a very covert manner. Over the next few years, I did my best to keep the interest and the passion for the unknown a secret from my family for fear that I might be looked down upon. Something undeniably paranormal happened to me that night, and I made it my mission to find the answers to the many questions that event raised in my mind. My first paranormal experience was not the last time something unexplainable happened in that house. A few years later, about the time I turned 13, my brother and I had broken free from the bunk beds and the sharing of a room. We each had our own room at this point. I remember one night waking up to the sound of a baby crying. This was quite odd considering my brother and I were the only children in the house at the ages of 13 and 8. Since I grew up in a very musical home, I was lucky enough to have a full drum set in my bedroom along with guitars and keyboards. The set was handed down to me by my father, so it was quite dated at that point, but hey, it still kicked. The sound of the baby crying was coming from the other side of my room near the drum set. The crying was coming from around the bass pedal area behind the bass drum. 
those of those of you familiar with drum sets will know exactly where I mean. I felt no fear for some reason and quickly jumped out of my bed and ran over to the area the crying was coming from. As I leaned over the tom drums on top of the bass drum, I saw a nearly transparent baby lying on the floor. Once his eyes made contact with mine, the crying stopped. At this point, I did feel afraid and quickly ran back across the room, leaping into my bed. I stayed still for about 10 minutes until my curiosity got the better of me and I once again went back over to see this mysterious infant. But to my surprise, he was gone. Looking back on that, that could have easily been a dream, although I do not believe it was. The activity seemed to occur in the house every three years and only for one night. The first time I was 10 and the second time I was 13. Both occurrences were completely different from one another. One was violent while the other was more innocent. Like clockwork, three years later there was another incident in the house, only this time I was not the only one that witnessed it. I was 16 at the time and my younger brother was 11. We were playing around the house outside with a neighborhood friend. It was summer, so our parents were at work and we were left at home to do what kids do over the break from school. My brother and I, along with our friend, were around the back of the house when this third occurrence took place. The bedroom that my brother and I shared six years prior was now his. Six years had passed without incident in that room. As the three of us were playing around outside, my brother glanced up at his bedroom window. He screamed my name, claiming somebody was standing in the window looking down at us. As I looked up to see what he was talking about, the window shattered, throwing glass down into the grass where we stood. Although I never actually saw this anomalous figure my brother was so adamant about seeing, I did witness the glass shattering before my eyes. Our neighbor friend also said he saw the window shatter. This all happened within seconds and before anybody could say anything. I was halfway into the house and up the stairs to investigate. When I arrived at my brother's bedroom, I was really surprised to see that not a single shard of glass was in the room. I was looking for a rock or any object, you know, that could have broken that glass from the outside. There was nothing to be found. The window shattered from the inside out. And to me, that was truly remarkable. Moments later, my brother and our friend arrived into the bedroom. They too were dumbfounded as to how this window could have shattered. Of course, what made this situation more difficult to handle was the fact we had to somehow explain this to our father without sounding like we had gone off the deep end. And long story short on that one, we never did tell him the truth. We simply said it was an accident on our part. We moved from that house before the next three-year mark came, so I never knew if the paranormal activity occurred again. I did at one point try to revisit the house. The people who bought the house from my parents never seemed to be home when I stopped by. Years later, after college, I moved away from my hometown altogether. These were the experiences that ultimately caused me to become heavily involved in the paranormal field. One house with three separate and seemingly unrelated, unexplainable occurrences changed my entire perception of reality. They say certain events in your childhood are the key ingredients that make you, they, they make who you are in adulthood. I believe there is much truth to that statement. Presently, I am still seeking answers to questions of what exactly did happen to me all those decades ago. 
What I'm about to share with you with my podcast are true accounts of the paranormal from a man being myself who has spent his life investigating the paranormal over thousands of cases about the unexplained. And to add to this story, about 20 years later, after my first event in 1987, my mother came clean. She came to me one Thanksgiving. She came to visit me in South Carolina, where I had moved to. And she said, you know, Stephen, what happened to you that night in December in 1987? The same exact thing happened to me when I was 10 years old. That was all I needed to hear. I already believed in the paranormal. I already knew something extraordinary had happened to me. But for my mother to confirm it just gave the whole ordeal validity. I've seen some shit and I'm going to tell you all about it. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Join Stephen on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative.